and welcome to Nature Finds a Way, a pop culture podcast where we nerd out about biology, facts, and fiction in some of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. <laughs> I'm Lindsay and she's Sarah and we are marine biologists in recovery and today we are scraping the bottle, bottom of the barrel with to celebrate Shark Week with ice sharks. No exclamation mark. Oh. So sad. This movie really, the title required at least one exclamation mark. Yeah, I agree. Um, Just to fully convey the full level of ridiculousness. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay, so Ice Shark is a, I think, a made-for-TV movie that came out in 2016. The description that I just read on IMDb (laughs) says that it's a group of scientists at a research facility based on Antarctica on, Andar- on Antarctica? Is that a sentence? Uh-huh. Battle a breed no. of sharks that have invaded Antarctic waters. Um, and what, is it, what does it say on the poster? The movie and the poster say that it takes place in the Arctic. So yeah, this movie didn't even manage to correct its uh, IMDb description. Um, That's what drew me to it. That yes. and the poster image. It was just like, this movie is for us. Yeah, but yeah, with a giant shark and a helicopter and ice on the cover. To say that this movie is bad is not necessary like <laughs> bad, bad movies a bad name or something but yeah exactly well but also it was kind of ridiculous and fun like mm-hmm. it knows that it's bad like it's not it for the most part it wasn't trying to be anything more than it no is. yeah it's a it's a b movie like, oh that's yeah what absolutely it yeah. yeah yeah it's in it's in the realm of like sharknado and all of that it just giant shark versus mega octopus yeah it just seems more plausible because it doesn't have a ridiculous enough name. Hence, it needs exclamation marks. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, there's a whole bunch of scientists in a very small Mm trailer-sized polar base on the ice. Yeah, we never see their beds. No, and it's like... Or kitchen, or I guess that's for budget, but... There's at least... How many of them? Six or eight? Seven? I don't know. Maybe eight, because they all... A lot of them die really early. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of them in like a basically a two-story mobile home trailer mm-hmm. thing. But that includes like their lab space and everything. Anyways, there's more important crazy things to talk about. <laughs> so basically at the beginning of the movie, uh, an Inuit or um, other indigenous person, I'm assuming Inuit um, person, is out hunting polar bears and with their um, sled dogs. Mm-hmm. and um they get pulled into the water and eaten and disappear by a giant shark and then the whole movie is like they go out to try to find this hunter because i guess the the locals there's been lots of hunters that have gone missing and then the sharks also invade the base and mm-hmm. sink it mm-hmm. and sink a helicopter mm-hmm. and eat almost everybody except for the two people who are in love and it's insane (laughs) i just i don't have enough words to describe this movie yeah no we would be here forever if we tried to explain all the problems in this movie well not just all the problems but like all the twists and turns like i thought Mm -hmm. at least two or three times like oh this is supposed to be a really short movie is it done already no no they just added more twists um i mean do i recommend that you watch this movie recommend no do i think that you should watch this movie yes because it's hilarious and fun so yeah do does it matter that we're gonna spoil it 
no. No. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Yeah, so there's lots of ridiculous twists and turns. Lots of just poor decision making. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, these are hallmarks of a B-movie also. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, confusing decision making also. Like Yes. Yeah. Like, they spend a lot of time being very worried once the station sh- um, sinks into the ocean that they're going to run out of air and then making plans to, like, escape with the dive tanks, but never mention that they could just open the dive tanks to add more oxygen to the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand. The station sh- shrinks, shrinks, sinks into the ocean because it was built on thin enough ice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that the sharks with their dorsal fins could cut through the ice yeah. to make it sink. So there's a lot of stuff. This is like a. So this is. They're saying that they're Greenland sharks who hmm. have been trapped in this area by ice and evolved. Yes. Similar. It's like a kind of um, the Meg kind of scenario where they were trapped and then discovered. Right. Yes. And then, so there's problems with that, which we'll talk about. And then these sharks, which there seems to be like three of them, maybe, um, all which change size just all the time. Frequently. Um, yeah. And um, they then are not only hunting humans, mm-hmm. but are like smart enough to do all these things that will sink the humans and like do all and like jump on the land and jump through the hole that's in the base that they're using for the ROV and like yeah. all of these kinds of things that are like the same level ish of intelligence that you see in like the deep blue sea movies. But these that there's no conversation about how the sharks brains got bigger and evolved to be smarter. Like there's no, no reason yeah, why exactly. these sharks are this smart. Yeah. So the smart variety of Greenland. Sharks. The smart version is, weird like you know we can talk a lot about bruce you know like starting all of this of like just hunting one uh boat for no real reason whatsoever yeah and all of that kind of stuff but this is like over the top of like they follow them back the people on land on ice the sharks manage to follow them back to the base mm-hmm. and then cut it open Cut it and so that it floats off to sea. And then there's like a bunch of other other stuff that they do to like sabotage things. But also like they follow them back or get back. But like it's not like at that point when they come to the base that they'd even like tried to kill any of these sharks or tried exactly. to hurt any of these sharks. They've yeah, just been... the sharks attacked one of them. Yeah. And at that point, uh, those two people who they interacted with and mm-hmm. that was it. Like there was no, yeah. like they didn't get him. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, let's go do this then. Like, it was just... So strange. Yeah, we could we could seriously rant about yeah. this movie for ages. Mm-hmm. I texted Lindsay after I finished watching it of like, man, we should have just done a commentary track on this movie because <laughs> it would be hilarious and ridiculous, but I you couldn't pay me enough to watch it again. <laughs> no, and now now we know all the spoilers. So exactly. We, our reactions wouldn't be the same of like... Yeah. Like, why are you trying to untangle an ROV quick cable? When you know that there's a shark in your, the hole in your bottom of your base. Yeah. Like, yep, just yep. leave. So I figure we will talk quite a lot about Greenland sharks because they are awesome. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk a little bit about just like Arctic and polar researchy type stuff. Yeah. We're not experts on either of those things, but we are fans of both. Correct. And I we can also tell you from the beginning that the mo- the sharks in this movie are generic big sharks. Greenland yeah. sharks do not look 
like this at all. These sharks, I think there was like a smidgen of live footage maybe at the beginning of a Mako. I think it was mostly like just any stock footage that they could get. Any stock footage of sharks. Yeah, because the the size, the speed, the shape of the sharks just changed frequently. All the time. Yeah, and like this, and the scale of the sharks against the people change. I mean, sharks do come in different sizes because based on their age, but still, it was very odd. So Greenland sharks are large. Mm-hmm. They can grow up to 21 feet, six and a half meters and weigh a thousand kilos. But that's not the size that these are. And also their dorsal fins are very different shaped. Yeah. Um, the dorsal fins and the pectorals of Greenland sharks are small and kind of like squat. And the even the body shape of, of them are a little bit squat. Like, have you ever seen a sturgeon? Yeah, uh, it's kind of like that. I don't know if that's a common thing that people know, but it's just like it's like a squat square fish as yeah. opposed to a sh- as like a great white and or like something. a big sleek. Yeah, they're they're like more chunky looking than a than your typical sleek shark. They also have like a short, really rounded snout. Like they're not. Yeah. Um. Yeah, not that typical. Like again, great white shark, like big pointy pointy snout. Um. Yeah, and they can be a little bit spotted. They're sort of like gray brown black sort of drab colored not mm-hmm. and they don't have a huge amount of um the counter shading that lots of sharks do where they're dark on top and lighter on the bottom they're generally like all one color looking at this one now like not real like if you didn't know that it was a shark other than the sort of like asymmetrical tail this photo on the wikipedia mm. page it almost looks like mm-hmm. a salmon or something yeah definitely yeah it's definitely like a big like this a big fat salmon yeah, like this, there's no scale on this picture, but it definitely doesn't look like your typical shark that you would expect, especially to be in a shark movie. Like I was pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. that it was Greenland sharks and not just like great whites made it to the Arctic or something. Made an effort to have an Arctic shark. <laughs> um, so one of the coolest things about Greenland sharks is that they have the longest known lifespan of all vertebrate species. Mm-hmm. They are estimated to be 250 to 500 years old, yeah. which is crazy. And they also live at a depth, which explains their shape, their fins, and their count- their lack of counter shading. And then one of the things which is really extra strange in the movie is that they have a high concentration of trimethyl and oxide which causes the meat to be toxic but but it does explain in the movie they're trying to like figure out what ate this indigenous person and she found a tooth which like generic shark tooth and then she's like why does it smell like ammonia yeah (laughs) which is so random so uh this trimethyl and oxide is organic compound and it's in the class of amine oxide so it's like i guess ammonia yeah it is it comes from the they're like um nitrogenous waste products so like in humans that's urine um and in sharks Mm -hmm. it's all kinds of other stuff including urea and they i guess so the tmao helps counteract the protein destabilizing of urea and also helps with deep water pressure apparently it's a little unsure but like it doesn't really say lots of sleeper sharks or other sleeper sharks also have this tmao stuff in there yeah so the evolution like what they say is that they were trapped here and they evolved to eat large vertebrates and then also grow giant dorsal fins um be active at the surface Mm -hmm. like super active super active completely out of the water breaches mm -hmm. which only great whites do. And um, did I say giant dorsal fins? Yeah. yeah. 
and all of this other stuff, but they didn't get rid of their ammonia or smell. Well, like, yeah, I mean, they need the ammonia for like increased buoyancy and stuff uh-huh. as well. Um, so they probably couldn't, other than the fact that they in the movie have a large enough dorsal fin to cut through ice, which that must be some very melty ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the big thing is their their speed and agility, both above and below water. Yeah. Greenland sharks are in the group sleeper sharks, <laughs> which might give you mm. an indication of how slow they are. So they, they are energy. ectothermic, so like cold-blooded, and they live in like very cold water. Like if they're living deep under water where there's frozen water the ocean like the ocean temperatures like around four degrees max celsius and in some places could be colder depending on what's going on because of the salt um because of the salinity so they they have the lowest swim speed and the lowest tail beat frequency for its size (laughs) across all like corrected for size across all fish species um which makes sense because they live somewhere really cold so their metabolism's really slow and they're also extremely long-lived um yeah so they grow really slowly um Mm -hmm. yeah so ridiculous which is also like another part of this of like they wouldn't want to eat that many Mm -hmm. humans no exactly their metabolism is so slow they would be full after like one of the legs well and like cold-blooded animals that live warm places can take a really long time to digest something as yeah. proportionally large as a human to the, their body size. Like, yeah, they would eat like one human and be full for who knows, like months. I have no idea. Yeah. So their top cruising speed is 1.6 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, they definitely could have escaped these guys. Yeah. Oh man, so ridiculous. Um, so you might be wondering, we've talked about like what they eat, but like how do they catch food if they go that slow? And the thought is that they maybe sneak up on sharks or they sneak up on seals while they are sleeping on the ice. <laughs> so they basically, seals will sleep often quite close to the edge of the ice. And so these Greenland sharks will just like pop their head up and pull one down. Um, they've also been found with remains of polar bears, moose and reindeer in their stomachs. But they're also thought to have, they're known to be scavengers and they are attracted to the smell of rotting meat in the water. So it's most likely that they're eating already dead ones that are in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they also eat like basically anything they can catch. Sharks, eels, herring, capelin, cod, sculpins, flounder, squid. Sculpins? Yeah. That's like an amuse-bouche. No, sculpins can get big up in other places other than tide pools. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. so ridiculous. Um, yeah, so they they are stealth hunters, uh, not speed hunters. And then they open their cavity and then they create a suction to draw in their prey. Um, oh. Rather than, so they don't like grab and rip. Yeah. Which is also inaccurate in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, the guy, the, one of the main characters. Well, you think he's going to be a main character and then he dies like in the first half of the movie. But um, yeah, he, he loses just a leg. Mm-hmm. And then they don't they don't go after the rest of him. Like he's bleeding actively on the ice mm-hmm. into the water, mm-hmm. and they're just like, nope, not this one. Yeah, not this one. Who's easy to catch? Like they're these guys are known for going after easy to catch prey. Also, he loses his leg like above the knee and just sort of oozes blood. Like yeah, you have some serious blood vessels in your legs that would be gushing, yeah, and spurting. Like, yeah, yeah, just, just it it was that part was really gruesome and gross. 
It was. It was just weird. And I was like, and then I thought that that's what it was going to be. Like, they were going to go after him and have to, like, use their magical surgeon skills. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, and then the shark would be, like, attacking them from the hole there. And I'm like, no, I don't know. But whatever. That is not what happened. Um, (laughs) So, as you may expect, Greenland sharks are found in areas around Greenland. Mm -hmm. In the Arctic and the Atlantic. And they're not really seen on the Pacific side of the high arctic however this movie is you know imdb thinks it's in antarctica yeah there's a part where apparently according to the trivia at some point apparently for some reason imdb trivia is has these goofs but they no one corrected the <laughs> plot summary um there's apparently someone mentions the ross sea which is in the antarctica mm. and all of their maps are of north america like all of north america like d- including mexico like you can you could zoom in a little more so that like the, so we don't really know we don't, where they it could are. be anywhere like they were on the radio talking about where these this hunter disappeared and pointing at a north america wide map that was like a small poster sized <laughs> on the wall i'm like you might need a little more detail than that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, have we talked about ovoviparous before? I don't think so. Ovoviviparous. I don't think why we would have it have. No. Okay. So. So Greenland sharks are ovoviviparous. It's like one of my favorite science words. Mm-hmm. So humans are viviparous, which means we have live young. This is obvious. Um, oviparous means like egg young, basically, like egg babies. Chickens. Like chickens, egg laying animals. But then some animals, including Greenland sharks, lay eggs, except they don't lay eggs outside of their body. They lay eggs inside of their body in like a, what is, you can only call a uterus. Like it's not technically a uterus. It doesn't have like the placenta and all that like in humans, but it's a place where eggs grow. Um, They lay the eggs inside their body and then the eggs hatch inside their body and then they come out as live baby sharks. Mm -hmm. Lots of sharks do this. Some snakes do this. Lots of other animals. Um... My favorite ovoviviparous story is I was teaching an insect workshop with kindergarten kids, kindergarten kids. And they were also, they were ESL, like, um, or ELL, like English language learning um, kindergarten kids mostly. And they asked me if the insects that we were looking at were ovoviviparous. And I'm like, (laughs) how do you know this word? And their teacher was like, oh, they love learning new words. Their grammar is terrible, but they love vocabulary. (laughs) Oh, it's like the West Wing where they, with the Russians in the West Wing, and they didn't know something, but they know they knew onomatopoeia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's my favorite oviparous story. These kids were so cute. And I was like, no, no, they're they're oviparous. And they're like, oh, so cool. Like chickens. Um. Anyways, side note. Um. Yeah, but this probably makes sense because, like, maybe the, the eggs don't have enough, like, mass or um of the, like, o- ammonia, TMNO stuff to like not freeze in the arctic mm-hmm. so they mooch body heat and stuff off of their mom that's kind of cool yeah it's super cool what the one thing that i will give this movie is that the females have ponytails yes yeah actually the entire time indoors everybody was pretty well dressed yes um outdoors they were not well dressed. <laughs> not well dressed like nobody wore a hat no yeah they didn't the have toques arctic or like I don't know what what do other people call toques when you're not in Canada? Uh, beanies, beanies, woolly hats. I'm not sure. Woolly hats, like the hats Something that you wear like in the that. winter. If you everybody just used the word toque, it's the perfect word because it's just a single word for a very great 
item. Um, they also like Arctic ice is incredibly reflective. So if it's sunny out, it's the, the ground is going to be brighter than the like than the sun. Um, and they they had goggles and stuff, but they never put their goggles over their eyes until they were actually driving on their mm-hmm. snowmobiles. And then they would take them off also. Yeah. Like, look to around. To look around. And I'm like, no, you would be blind. Also, I get it when it's like an emergency and they're running off in the snowmobile to like try to pull the research station back onto land with a snowmobile. Anyways, um, that they wouldn't put a helmet on, but I'm pretty sure that mm-hmm. you like these days you're supposed to wear helmets. And this was like I a think so. government academic mm-hmm. research station. Like their like operating procedure would have been a helmet on a snowmobile. Yeah. And one person is treated for potential hypothermia, um, but not with a hat. No hats still. And then a bunch of other people fall in the water and they're just Oh, fine. and they like, they so they fall in Arctic water and they have like no reaction to how freaking cold it nope. is. None at all. <laughs> and then they're just walking around with like one blanket over them and not on, not on their head. No, again, Heat not on goes their goes out the head. Yeah. In this movie, apparently you can only get hypothermia for plot reasons, not for temperature reasons. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot. And then my favorite part of all time is that this this Arctic, wherever it is that they are, is just full of kelp. Mm-hmm. Just full of kelp. Full of kelp. Okay, so yeah, so they, they send an ROV out to, I don't really know what, do. Um, and it's like the most Toys R Us-y looking ROV. <laughs> but then the footage like, they get. My first ROV. Yeah, it's like bright yellow, thin plastic. So clean. Also, like, have they ever used it? Mm. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, but it brings back amazing, beautifully well-lit footage of kelp forests kelp in forest. California <laughs> or something. It's uh, it's pretty funny. Like, there is lots of life that lives under sea ice in the Arctic, but giant kelp is not usually no. one of them. You know what? Mm-hmm. You know what giant kelp needs? Sunlight. Yep. Lots of sunlight. <laughs> lots of sunlight. <laughs> So, un- like, in the Arctic, there is kelp, but it's not under the ice. It's, like, it- so it's not yeah. in the, like, high Arctic that's under ice all the time. No, and it's definitely not that big, because the, the, yeah. to grow leaves that big, you need to... The purpose of growing leaves that big is for the, the sun to hit them, to hit the maximum amount of them. Anyway, let's stop talking about the problems with this movie, yes. because this episode will be seven hours long. Um, do you want to talk about, you know, the ice stations and sure. the research that is done sometimes? Yeah, so... This station that they were on was basically, like I said, it was like a trailer on top of a box and it was bolted to mm-hmm. the ice. And then we realize yep. as we go in that the box on the bottom has a hole cut into the ice, which I didn't, this is my fault, but I didn't clue into how thin the ice was until the shark cut through it. And then you realize that the ice that they they built this like two story station on that doesn't float also is like, I don't know, Very centimeters thin. thick. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like it's. I, I don't know enough about ice hole cutting and for research or for fishing, like how thick you can do that and or like how long that would take. But like this seemed like a sturdy, like long term, not even just them, but like they were a team that was there. Yeah. And this place had been used before kind of thing. But maybe that was just me assuming. Yeah. So I couldn't really find any information about like ice research stations, but I think they there have been places or um, research stations built on drifting ice. The Russians have been doing it off and on since like the 30s. Um, I couldn't really find anything about about how thick the ice that the Russians built um, their research stations on. So yeah, so they were 
staffed drift station some of the photos i found most of the photos i saw were from the old really old ones so they were like just tents basically um but i think yeah and they would be up there in the summer so like april yeah 800 people though have been at these np stations like north pole stations um Mm -hmm. but yeah most of the information about them has been in russian um but and they stopped they've stopped as of like 2015 because the ice is getting too thin and unpredictable um so they're the plan is to switch this these kind of stations to be on like a floating floating research vessel rather than on the ice, which makes mm-hmm. way more sense as the ice is thinning. But there was an American one. It was called Fletcher's Island and um, or Fletcher's Ice Island. And so it was this iceberg that was um, used between like the 50s and the 70s. So like peak Cold War. It was like an Arctic weather report station and then probably like military and naval Arctic research and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It was 125 feet thick. <laughs> the, ice. the ice. Yeah. 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 It was built yeah. on a floating iceberg. Um, so yes, you can cut through ice. You can cut through pretty thick ice as like ice fishing you know, stations mm-hmm. and stuff. And you can build, like, good buildings on top. But, yeah, like, that's with, like, a big knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a mm-hmm. small shark fin. fin. Yeah. And, like, and there is a reason. We've talked about this a bit with orcas on the Whale Tales podcast, but with the fact that dorsal fins are, like, cartilage. Yeah. Like your nose. Well, all, um, all sharks are cartilage. Well, all sharks are cartilage, too. Also very true. Like, orca, orca dorsal fins are cartilage. Um, so all sharks, sharks are all con- completely cartilage. I don't know if we've ever said that before, but they are. No bones. Just cartilage. And um, the reason that belugas and narwhals and bowhead whales, the only um, three whale species that live in the Arctic all year round, don't have dorsal fins is because of ice. Yeah. Like belugas have a dorsal ridge to help break out loose ice, but dorsal fins do not help you in the ice. If there is ice... And you need to breathe and your dorsal fin just gets in the way. Like, think about that. Yeah. And also same with so, Greenland sharks. Like, if they're trying to get up to get a sleepy seal on the ice, like a dorsal mm-hmm. fin, first of all, is going to give them away. And second oh, of all, yeah. will hit the ice sooner than they want it to. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, they yeah. have small dorsal fins. Yeah. Yeah. But in this movie, the dorsal fins on the sharks is are tall and sharp enough to completely cut the floating station away from the rest of the ice or maybe it wasn't floating maybe Mm -hmm. it was just built on thin ice at the edge of the land i don't know like it was it was built on a part of the ice Mm -hmm. that was really close to the water and so like for me as a person i would be like why are they that close to the water like they already have a hole exactly exactly in their station yeah and then they have other things set up around the generic ice yeah like sensors and stuff so why are they that close to the water like that just seems like a that ice would be thinner mm-hmm. if it's closer to the water and b like, why that just seems dangerous yeah and then it turned out to be with, even without dangerous. and also like if you're building something on floating thin ice maybe the whole station should float i don't know maybe or, like not completely sink um <laughs> anyway. yeah but all kinds of really really cool research is done up in the arctic uh one of my favorite studies that has been going on for i don't know decades now at this point is they do ice cores so they will core down into deep ice and then you can um like it's basically like time travel because the deep ice is can mm. be centuries old and so then you can see pockets of air um in that ice and like get an understanding of what our atmosphere was like centuries ago and also things like um you can see layers in cases of things like massive um 
forest fires or I think even like the Mount St. Helens eruption in ice cores, mm-hmm. you can see that dust in the layer. It's really cool. Yeah. And also like obviously weather stuff and climate change. It seemed like these people were doing confusing climate, climate changey things because they were worried about yeah. temperatures, but they weren't worried about thin mm-hmm. ice. Nope, not at all. Just temperatures. (laughs) Just temperatures. It was very strange. Well, I don't know. I think that's about all that I I think that's about all. I think um, all throughout Shark Week, we'll be posting some stuff about some facts, and you can listen to our other shark episodes, but I think this is our fourth one now. Yeah. um, About sharks and how poorly they're portrayed, Mm -hmm. and how most of Shark Week now is not great so we should celebrate shark facts instead of shark fears or like well shark fears and like highlight like oh like the propaganda no like um like sensationalism sensationalism yeah like celebrate shark facts instead of shark sensationalism and remember that toilets kill more people than sharks do in a year in normal times more people are bitten in times square than are bitten by sharks Mm -hmm. all of these kinds of things are true and also that humans kill hundreds of thousands if not millions of sharks every year yeah every year and that's just like active killing not just plus bycatch plus climate change plus pollution plus entanglement plus all of the other things so just sharks are cool man yeah sharks are cool and they're an important part of our ocean ecosystems they're just out there doing their sharky job yeah they might eat snake seals but something's got to eat seals because otherwise exactly there would only otherwise be, seals. be too many seals <laughs> these are these are our shark facts we are shark fans so i don't know maybe we'll maybe we'll stop doing shark week next year undecided yeah, just because i don't it feels know like there's there's not that much more to yeah. talk about sharks in movies there's not much more there's not many more shark movies that aren't just like one great white that is evil for movie reasons yeah uh, so there's not a lot of science left. So there is one movie coming out soon that it was Orcas versus Sharks. Oh, I think. yeah. Is that what I sent it to you? So if that one comes out, maybe we'll do it. <laughs> we'll but see. We'll, we'll see. see. But yeah, the, the like stereotypical like shark disaster movie. Yeah, there's not that much science that we haven't already covered on the podcast. But mm-hmm. if you have a cool shark movie that isn't that, um, let us know. Yeah. And if anyone is thinking about it, we will not be doing Sharknado because obvious yeah i mean i've never seen sharknado but i don't i don't think there's i think there was more to talk about in this movie than sharknado yeah Um. yeah exactly because at least we got to talk about greenland exactly yeah so but if there's if you have fun arctic movies also because we haven't done a lot of that we do have a penguin-esque movie Mm -hmm. coming up later in the summer although penguins do live in the arctic so those are very different and we'll talk about that I don't know. We haven't talked about polar bears. There's all kinds of cool Arctic stuff we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about polar bears. That's true. Man, so fun. Um, yeah. If So if you have any questions, comments, uh, etc., recommendations, you can check us out on social media. We are at Nature Finds a Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can head to our website, naturefindsapod.com. Or you might as well subscribe to the podcast while you're in mm-hmm. one of those places. We will be back in two weeks with a book, a book. called Silver Wing, which is our... First of two bat themes in a row, which we didn't really plan. Oh, we didn't plan it that way. Shark Week moved, and that's why <laughs> this is how the summer is going. But Bats are good for summer and way more fun than sharks. Yes, exactly. And that's a good tease. We've got Silver Wing, and then later in the summer, we've got a bat something and also a penguin something. Ooh. So if you can guess, you win a prize. 
There's no prize. <laughs> anyway, we will be back then in the meantime. And stay, stay sciencey, sciencey friends. friends.